0: everyone, welcome to Everyman BJJ, a weekly show covering MMA and BJJ news and training tips. One, We're live. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you, Noah? Pretty well. Good. Welcome to uh, episode 31, my friend.
1: Thank you. You too. Jordan uh, should be joining us shortly. I think he's just leaving training um he's always training either coming from or going to training or something in between so yeah, um, i wanted
0: I, I wanted to start off with something i i was um today i went i got a nice little workout in some cycling some cooking and while i was cooking i was looking at facebook um and i saw that pedro Sauer, who was my first instructor back in 2001 when i started here in the suburbs of salt lake city and He had, there was a GoFundMe campaign and it was for, the name was Milda Shabonis. And I thought, wow, that's, you know, and then I I looked closer and it says, you know, we're raising money for Milda Shabonis. And it turns out that Milda Shabonis had went on to become a a really good, she graduated, I think, from the University of Utah. She got a law degree and she died in a plane crash a day or two ago, The, the plane, like a private small aircraft um, crashed into some houses in a suburban neighborhood. I think it lit. And uh, one of the occupants, one of the homeowners on fire injured It injured a bunch of people injured, like killed a couple people on the aircraft, killed a nine month old, killed, killed Milda, killed a 44 year old pilot. You know, the lady who got her house, you know, crashed into with like burned severely. And then miraculously, Milda Sabonis, uh, her daughter, who's like 12, survived that plane crash. And that really, um, it, it really hit me for a second because Milita, Milita Shabonis was one of my first training partners in Jiu Jitsu. Like of all the training partners I trained back then at Pedro Sauer's academy, you, there were five, minute, five minutes on the clock and then you would just rotate. So there would be one side and Pedro Sauer had a lot of students even back in 2001. I mean, there would be 35, 40, 50 people in a class back in 2001, Pedro Sauer was a pioneer and he had a big gym and so they'd line up like 15 20 people on one side 15 20 on another and you would just do the rotation it didn't matter the weight there was no pick a partner you just it was that easy you, you knew your place in line you rotated and of all the training partners i remember i would say if i remember 10 of my training partners milda shabonis was one of those training partners and i've told this story before um you know, and she was 36, man. Like it just shows you how fragile life is. And I was like, wow, like, I, you know, I it just, you know, you wonder what, what became of someone, what life did they have? Cause when I trained with Milda, she was probably 17, 18, 19 years or so old, you know, 17, 18, 19, somewhere in there. She was about a mid-level blue belt, maybe a two or three stripe blue. And, she Milda was actually bigger than me, like I, as I remember, she was a little, you know, she her, her dad was tall, and so she was long and tall. And, and uh, of course, even back then, you know, I was a wild buck white belt, I was the wrestler white belt, I was ultra competitive, but mm-hmm. always, always, always with a woman, I always reduced it big time, I always tempered it, and I always uh diminished it significantly, just instinctively, even back then. Um, So I would take a lot off and I would, you know, I would go at like half speed, but try to beat Milda and me at half speed. Milda was giving me a lot more problems than I, than I thought like, wow, you know, like, you know, you, she's way tougher than, you know, this stuff really works. This, she was evidence like Milda was literally one of the people that when you first get on the jujitsu mat that shows you this really works, the power of jujitsu. She was like the, the poster person for me, for like, it really works. There was no, it wasn't that she was overpowering. And remember, I don't think that Milton, Milton never beat me in practice. I, I was not going to let that happen. But I wasn't going to smash her. I was going to actually play technique and I, and and go, you know, more at a half speed. But I was still blown away at how tough she was and 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 and, and in her technique being far superior to mine. And I was like, wow, this stuff really works. And so. Today, when, when I saw that, it, it really hit me. And, I, and I've said before, people say, why did why did I keep training jiu-jitsu? We're all different. Some people come in there and if you're a young kid, your why is different. Sometimes your, your why, your parents chose your why. You're in there because your parents said you're gonna be in there because they don't want you to get bullied or because your dad wants you to learn respect or your mom, you know, your mom wants you to be tough, whatever, right? They want you to develop a work ethic there's a lot of reasons sometimes the kids don't the kids don't figure out their why until later my why as a 30 year old day one student one of them was i've said this many times it was it was ego based it was i mean i'm not saying it was entirely ego based there was a lot of ego involved it was just wow i'm getting beat by a lot of people in this class milda shabonis is 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 impressing me every time i roll with her and i need to keep coming i need to get better i need to avenge i need to start beating some of the people that are beating me that's all i remember about my why i don't remember a black belt i don't remember wanting a brown belt i don't remember even thinking about a purple belt i was just so competitive i just thought i have to get better and i have to come back and start beating because back then too i was going so hard noah that some of the guys you know i was not a big guy so some of those guys even more advanced belts they were they were trying to smash me i mean they were using all their power i was using all my power so it was you know it was nip and tuck it was it was very intense and so to to leave those intense training sessions and to feel like wow you know you got you got tapped today you got owned today uh, you know that was that was a problem for me to solve and in any event i just want to say i mean you know we don't have a lot of viewers now but just you know, obviously my thoughts go out to Milda Shabonis, her family. It's a miracle that her 12 year old daughter survived that crash. Um, and it's just a reminder for all of us, um, how fragile life is just, just how, you know, you got, you got now now this leads me into a discussion, I guess I would say, and this might be too early. Welcome aboard Jordan. But I was even thinking this for us. We don't have to tackle it right now. But I was wondering if we would like pose the question to ourselves, like, it really is like, how do you want to be remembered? Because when we think about like Noah with, you know, you are getting ready to go to grad school and you've got these goals with jujitsu, jitsu and Jordan's got his goals. He's inching up closer to a black belt and he's teaching and he's got a great competitive career ahead of him. And, you know, and I'm doing my things, but it really does. It makes it makes me think like times like this, like. How do we want to be remembered? And 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 why do we want to be remembered? Like, what does it matter? Like, once I'm dead, let's say I write 20 best-selling books, right? I write 20 best-selling books, I speak around the world, I make a lot of money, I feed orphans and I teach kids jujitsu. Like at the point at which I'm dead, why does that matter? Like, why would that matter to me? If I died tomorrow, right, and I didn't, I didn't do these things, I didn't fulfill the legacy. Sometimes I wonder, like, well, why does it why does it matter? Because once you're dead, if you die tomorrow, you say, "Well, oh, I still had these 50 things I really wanted to do. They were so important. They were my legacy. They were the legacy I was going to leave the world. There were things I wanted to share with the world." But if you die and you're not here, it's like, well, what, you know, what what's there to feel bad about? You're not here, so okay, you didn't you didn't get it done. Like it just somebody's life cut that abruptly just takes me closer to like my end and and think why does why does you know again i i can answer these questions but i pose the question to you guys too why does this stuff matter so much when in the end we die now maybe there's something after death maybe there's a nothingness maybe there's a, a whole lot of something is going on but what we did in this world the question it just it just reminded me that's what i was thinking that's what i was thinking of today when i was cooking and i saw that story about milder shimonis dying
1: so that, that brought you back to the why That's a very powerful, that's some powerful, um, um, powerful thoughts that you're, you know, these are powerful emotions, powerful thoughts. What is it that I'm doing? And, you know, you get into these existential meditations. Um, Let me just say, hey, Jordan, nice to see you.
2: Um,
1: What's up,
0: guys?
2: You guys?
1: Yeah. uh, Frank opened up with, uh, he opened up with uh, um, uh, some news about one of his uh, first training partners um, years ago um, passing away in a plane crash, and um, and and so there's a he learned about this through Facebook um, through Pedro Sauer with uh, uh, with knowledge that her 12 year old daughter survived uh, the crash, um, but. Um, What a trooper. This gets into, this gets into why do we, yeah, what do we live for? You know, fundamental, fundamental stuff. Um, You know, I, I, I'll say that um, if you've ever been really, really sick, or if you've ever gone through any kind of life trauma, um, and, you know, divorce is much harder than a death um and frank you and i both have gone through that it sharpens your ability to to prioritize what matters to you um it makes you not- scared
0: of any of signing any future contract
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah I'm scared of
2: signing that contract
1: what was that first part jordan
2: i said i'm already scared of signing that contract oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's have a talk
1: before you sign any contracts, my friend, <laughs> um, and or any contracts that you really don't realize you're signing. You know, implicit contracts, social contracts that uh, are not of of a legal nature, um, but you're blindsided by by them. You know that you can get into a life situation where someone um, uh, puts you into a position where these are implicit social contracts. Um, and I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, you know, um, you know, let's say, um, let's say I have a friend and I'm helping him out with, uh, his business and I'm not being compensated for it, but I start to learn personal things about this, you know, and so there's a an implicit social contract that you know I'm in I'm in confidence about what they're doing, um, and it's not something that's maybe um, I'm not I'm not talking about legal, but I'm talking about maybe personal ethics. You know, you start to judge, or you're in that place where you have information you want to ju- place a judgment about them. There's a lot of tons of ethical dilemmas with implicit social contracts. And, you know, you have, you kind of have an one there where you're like, at least let me say something on our podcast today about, um, about this person and her GoFundMe as a way of give back, you know, something you could do, some kind of positive action you could do. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of material there. Uh, Frank, I don't, um, don't know where you want to take the conversation today, um, with that. Uh, uh, as far as you know your why why do you train i just saw uh, well, an well article. let
0: me say let me say this so this is a very important and this you know i'm not reinventing the wheel here this is been around forever but it's the best you know it's the best way to write a story it's the best way to write a book it's the best way to give a speech it's the best way i think to approach your jujitsu career and that is It's the best way to approach life, designing your life. And that's just to begin with the end in mind. How do you want it to end? How does this end, right? That is such an important question. Before any speech you write, that's what you want to know. People say, well, I should write this and I should write this and I should include this and this. You need to know foremost, when you go to write a speech, if you go to write a book, begin. If they remember one damn thing, what they're going to remember. One thing, because most people don't have that much space, even if they know Noah Green. Most people aren't going to get to know Noah Green the way I know Noah Green. Most people out there in the world, in a world of 7.5, 7.6, 7.7 billion people, are not going to get to know Jordan Worth the way that I know him. If they come across Jordan Worth, most people, it will be a matter of, even if they spend 10 hours, 20 hours studying Jordan Worth, it will come down to Jordan Worth will have about 20 seconds worth of their brain. Ultimately, and it will be what do they think if they were to tell a friend? So it works like this. Somebody follows Jordan Wirth on his channel. They've never met him. They they're familiar with him loosely. they have seen him grapple. They, Jordan Worth's name comes to a friend. What do they say to the friend? What's the 15 or 20 or 30 seconds in their brain that computes, that calculates and comes out? And what's that common story? That 15 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds worth of story. And they say, oh, Jordan Worth, that guy who blank. Oh, Noah Green. I'm not talking about your closest friends. I'm not talking about the hundred people. I'm talking about everyone else too. And say, if they only remembered one thing, Noah gave a speech today, Noah from this podcast, what's that thing they're gonna remember? Cause they don't have room to remember too much about you. One thing, maybe two, maybe three if we're lucky. What are they going to remember? Well, a lot of times what they're going to remember is based on our intention. It's based on what did we set out for the world to remember about us? What did we set out? That's probably what they're going to remember. Mike Tyson at age 13 said, Gus D'Amato and Teddy Atlas planted a seed. You're going to be world champ, kid. So guess what he set out to have the world know? I'm the baddest man on the planet. You don't want to share a ring with me. And he made it happen. And the world remembered him. People have at least 15, 20 seconds of their brain for Mike Tyson. Oh, that guy who. So what's our, that's the question for you, for Noah, for Jordan, for me with this modus bonus and and these kind of things. It's like, what, begin with the end in mind. What do you want them to remember about you? And then, then we go, we reverse engineer and and we, and we do all the stuff we're doing now and we tighten it up and we design it. We become better designers then we become more efficient designers than when we reverse engineer from okay this is the end point this is where we want to go this would constitute a good life reverse engineer <laughs> um
1: What you're talking about, you know, when you talk about the begin with the end in mind, um, there's a very well-known speaker. Um, he passed away uh, a few years ago, uh, Stephen Covey, and he had formed a company, Franklin Covey, that was through a merger. And one of his, uh, you know, he talked about seven uh, habits of the seven habits of highly effective people, and in it, one of them is begin with the end in mind um that's yeah you know, that, that's but that it's so universal it's so true it's been around
0: a lot longer than stephen covey who's who's right up the street actually there's office yeah but but it know what this is the thing this people people wonder like let's say we have a jiu-jitsu class let's say i have my students doing 100 push-ups every jiu-jitsu class and we're doing hip we do hip escapes every class right and how many people how many people in the jiu-jitsu class put like a hundred percent heart and soul into their hip escape, right? Normally the hip escape for most people is mindless. It's just, okay, we're all doing this. Let's get this over with. And then Jordan's going to show us some moves or Frank's going to show us some moves. Very few people are really like, wait, my hip escape, I got to put maximum detail and maximum focus on my hip escape and people just rush through it. Right. But so people don't like the monotony of something. We, 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 We hear it. It's in one ear. It's out the other. It's one thing to, to do hip escapes and it's another thing to actually improve the hip escape class by class by class. It's one thing to say, I've done hip escapes a thousand times. Yeah. And how many of those were heart and soul in the hip escape? How many of those were going through the motions hip escape? And that's the same thing with like, begin with the end of mind. I'm talking to myself here, by the way, too guys, I'm not talking to you guys. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to my former self. I'm talking to parts of maybe my current self, which is the reminder, the hip escape today which is hey buddy that begin with the end in mind stuff that's a big deal man don't lose sight of that don't let that be one ear out the other don't let that be the mindless hip escape oh i did the hip escapes oh coach i did the 100 push-ups but you didn't do them like really good form like really good intention like the most perfect push-ups you've ever done today you know so it's like a push-up's not a push-up not a push-up and begin with the end in mind it's like how how living and breathing is that in our life? Because it's like, you guys know, you guys saw Braveheart, right? You guys saw, you, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming I'm going to get off this podcast right now if both of you didn't see Braveheart. I'm going to- Yeah, um,
1: 1995,
0: 1995. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's Jordan, been out for 25 years. Jordan, I've you seen- saw that you, please tell me you did. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to, I'll go back. We'll just return here next week. So, you know that line <laughs> in there. Yeah. That line in there, where Mel Gibson's character, you know, William Wallace says, you know, that not, you know, every man dies, but not every man lives. Right? That that line rings mm-hmm. so true with everybody, because really the truth is, guys, you guys know this. I mean, we're, we're we're not we're not breaking new ground here, but we are going deeper. Which is, we have to kind of our relationship with death makes a, you know makes a big deal in how we live. It really does. Like we we're all going to die. We're all, the Milda Shabonis, that plane crash is a reminder. Some people are going at 36. There's was a nine-month-old baby on that air, a nine-month-old kid on that on there, You know, the pilot was 44, and 44 is not old, man. 44, nine-month-old kid, 36-year-old, 12-year-old girl who survives. We're all gonna die. What are we gonna do, like they say, between the dashes? Between the dashes on the tombstone, what are we gonna do between that? What the hell are we gonna do? And. And it really is about like, look, we're all going to die and we don't know when, but what the hell am I going to do today with a deep intention to say, brother, I don't know if I'll make it, but this is what I want him to say about me. And the 15 to 20 to 30 seconds, whatever I want, I'd like this. If I could paint it up, if I could draw it up, this is how I want to be remembered. This is what really deeply, truly matters and cut out all the bullshit that we clutter our minds with. That's just bullshit. That's just inefficient Bullshit that doesn't matter and it's really zeroing in on that. What the heck matters, you know What the heck's gonna ultimately matter at the end of the day when we're on our deathbed or when our friends are gathered around and it's like What the hell really mattered? What the hell would we want them to say? about us
1: If you if, if that if that if that makes if that vow is rather if that's what you value is what they say about you to me I I, I approach this more of, uh, not what someone would say about me, but the richness, uh, it's kind of like a ratio of the amount of time I'm spending, um, dialed in to life as opposed to numbing, numbing myself, you know, wh- whenever, what I'm talking about is, you know, oh, I'm going to go do hip escapes. and you're using that as an example. And you, can, and you just go through and you just do the body movement, but you're not, you're, you're not bringing your whole self to that. Mm-hmm. It's not your attention because your attention is limited. That is a finite resource. You know, your brain is like a muscle. It's going through metabolism as well. You can only sit and calcu- and do calculus or something that requires all of your focus and attention only for a certain amount of time and you have to practice engaging your focus and what you're talking about is bringing yourself to your attention and bringing your attention lighting that attention on fire and digging deeper into the moment that you're in and sure that you know and then we get it back into other things like well should that be something you're focused on you know, as far as aperture you know is that are you are you focusing on the right things? I going. Let's just use the hip escape as an example a little further. Uh, when I'm in class at Hensos, you know there's there's a bunch of people there, and so the warm up, the the group warm up, consists of running around in the blue basement, running around and around. Okay, and use that as a moment for me to check in with some of my friends. Hey, how you doing? This is some chatter, all right? Sometimes Igor will say, too much chatter, shut up, and it'll be silent, OK? You'll just hear, foot, you'll just hear feet hitting the mats and, and, and people breathing. Uh, but
2: other times, you'll hear the whole room chatting. Everyone's chatting. And then what? Do they not play music in the blue basement? I heard that they don't. Never ever. That there are no speakers. That no, that's weird.
0: To me, when I hear
1: music, music. that's weird. That's distracting to me. God bless. That's very distracting to me to hear music. I'm like, I uh, to me that's distracting. I hate it. I agree, honestly, because it's not. uh, I mean, I've trained in different places and I've seen it Like, that's distracting me because I'm thinking about the music and I'm not thinking about. It, it, it's one more thing to mentally juggle. Whenever I have my own self and the other guy to juggle, and I don't want to bump into the other people. What? You know, I am I use that sound. I use, I'm listening to other people around me so I don't bump into them when we're rolling. I need that because the music is distracting.
2: Wow, dude, I'm like shocked right now. OK. I, once thought anybody liked rolling without music. You just like rolling, I love it. Like, you just like rolling with like awkward, sweaty, deep breathing men, grunting. That's when I want.
1: If you're grunting, I, I want to hear it. I want to hear you grunting. I want to hear that you're grunting whenever I'm moving. When I'm moving around, when I got that, like that's feedback for me. I don't want
2: to hear the dudes around me.
1: Well, I need to hear them so I don't hit them, so I don't run into them.
2: You got to use your eyes, Noah, you got to be a
1: martial artist. No, I. you know what? My head might be tucked down. I'm facing, my. my I might be in an omoplata situation I'm, where I'm licking the mat
2: and I can't see, you know? I need to use my senses. You got to always know your surroundings, brother. You got to have eyes. And back. sound is one way
1: for me to know. Sound is one way for me to know. And wow. to, to distort crazy. my training environment with your, you know, someone else's musical choices it's i know that some
2: academies i know that some academies don't play like modern like modern rap music and like trap music because it's 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 too like raunchy or whatever it's got too many cuss words talks about drugs too much this that the other they don't like the content of it but um Mm -hmm. not rolling at all with any music is crazy to me i like i need when I. Well, when i don't roll with music. I feel so awkward, dude. Like it's so awkward rolling without it. It's
1: music. awkward and it's very awkward for me to hear music when I'm doing when I'm training. Um but that's just, you know, that's just from pedigree. That's my pedigree is uh, and, but I wanted to I, w- I wanted to focus in on on the point there of 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 um doing the hip escapes, doing the shrimp I have so many people waiting for me, you know. You, you've got to move, okay. You got to do this quickly. And sometimes, like for me to focus on, like how much of a, how much purchase do I want my one single foot on the ground? How much purchase am I? Am I activating my big toe in this to move to help me? You know, am I putting all five? Am I putting all five? To, you know, when we your your big toe and your little toes. Am I putting all of those down on the mat? Am no I, wait, how you, much- are,
0: you are, you are the example you exemplify in that situation. You exemplify most students because most students, they're what they, instead of really paying attention to the technique and where's my toe positioned and did my hip get out far enough and am I really on my side? Most of them are just thinking, let me not be the, 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 the person that slows up class and slows everything else up and gets in everyone else's way.
1: <laughs> well, well I, 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 I mix it up sometimes. Let me not I be the focus. clumsy
0: person that does it too slow and holds That's it what I'm down.
1: talking about. Yeah. Is it, you know, because I have people hitting me. I don't hit others ever because I'm not, I'm a turtle. But I will, you know, I see the guy coming at me and I'm like, you know, what I'll do is I'll just create my own lane and go i don't care i don't care i'm gonna yeah i'm not i'm not trying to this is not a race like Hinzo's not over there saying go faster go faster he's not down there but my classmates are you know you know they want to but it doesn't matter that extra few seconds it takes for me uh to get down that to get down the length of the of the mat what i need is actually even as a blue belt season season blue belt I'd like some feedback. I'd like some feedback, you know. I'd like some feedback. But at Enzo's, what they're doing during that time, they're filling out the attendance cards. They're filling out attendance cards right then. And so they're not, you know, Igor or or, uh, Hobson. I'm not calling them out. I'm just saying names of the instructors. There's many others. Uh, You know, they're, they're either, they're not Giving feedback to to, trainee, you know, to the trainees uh, during that time. Um, they don't, the only
0: one who well, ever no, well, really, and, you know And again, no, no one does. There's no instructor who stops class and says, wait a minute, I'm looking at these hip escapes. They're the worst hip escapes ever. I do
1: know no. one. I yeah. know one. I mean, Robert Dreisel. You know, I do. Does.
0: Yeah. Robert Dreisel will stop
1: and give you feedback. And I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot because I'm like, I want to get that from them. I want to hear what I'm doing wrong because, you know, part of deliberate practice is getting feedback, is getting the feed, the coaching um, of things. You need that. You need that expert feedback. Well, so, you so need these,
0: it. Moves. If, some, if, some, if an instructor, you know, normal drills before a jiu-jitsu class, forward roll, backward roll, monkey sprints, hip escapes, yada yada yeah. yada alligator crawls whatever right you know bear we do bear crawls we do sometimes we do the what's the crab crawl whatever what, what's the one where you you grab my legs whatever the you know wheelbarrows so these all seem kind of stupid to some people but functionally my experience has been the people that do those drills the best are the best students I mean the people that do the drills the best are so that so in other words the better people do those drills right those 10 15 minute warm-ups the better the students are because those moves are normally functional related moves that carry over. So even when you're doing cartwheels, whatever, you show me the people that are the best at doing those. I think they're probably going to wind up being, you know, uh, you know, largely the best students in the class, I think. And so they are important. But, you know, you almost you almost would be better off sometimes where this is where matching up a almost matching up students, you know, like sometimes like see, the way that jujitsu works now is. Somebody takes a liking to you. I take a liking to Noah and I kind of like your big brother, right? So even when the instructor's not around, i like, hey, Noah, you know, you can, you ask me a question of, you know, we're in line to do whatever the next drill. And i like, yeah, 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 you need to do this really quickly. And then you do it, right? And maybe I watch you a little bit, you know, and, 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 you know, when you roll, forward roll and say, hey, Noah, tuck that. So it's almost better to have like a buddy. I would like to see more schools right now, getting a buddy, a jujitsu buddy, where somebody's looking out for you or they're a mentor, like somebody who's not a coach that's just random i'd like to see it with more intention where it's almost like somebody if you don't wind up with somebody somebody's almost assigned to you at some point like it's almost yeah. like this is your blue belt big brother or whatever for right now right like if you don't have one if you don't wind up with one and then they sort of certainly keep an eye on you they sort of keep an eye on you and you can bounce a question off them while you're in line or something something like that because the classes do move quick so it's hard for the instructor to like be there and, and tell everybody hey you know your hip escape Yada
1: yada yada. It seems like the Gracies take the approach of that'll happen naturally, without without any intervention. Um, that's just my take on it. Um, training in different Gracie academies, um, and you know, you know, definitely when you have a workout partner, you it's it's that's clearly obvious. You know this. Uh, that people work out more intensely. There's more focus, and they don't skip trainings if they have a training partner. You know, Navy SEALs have swim uh, have uh, swim buddies. In um, the Marines, we have um, we always there's always two. I can't even remember what we would call that. Um, other than we just say take another take another Marine. You know, you always check like anytime I'm at work, I check out with those around me. And that was weird when I was becoming a civilian, I realized that, oh, civilians don't do that. You know, if I say, Hey, I got to go down the hall, I'll be back in 20 minutes. You know, I normally, I would do that in the workplace. And then I realized civilians are not doing this. You know, you have a, you know, you have a training partner, you have a, you know, you you, you check out with someone that way. Someone always knows where, you know, you know, you're not alone. Um, and that's a bit of military culture. Um, I can't speak for the Air Force though. Um, sorry.
0: <laughs> I, I, I want. I wanted to say something about something you said earlier though, because I said I said sort of like, how do we want to be remembered? I just brought that up. Like, how would we want yeah. to be remembered? What do we want people to say about us? And then you had said, and I respect your opinion, but you had ba- If I was hearing you right, you're basically saying like. Hey, what is that really? What does that really matter? You know? like Yeah,
1: that, that's like, that's just the now, orientation. That, right. But
0: you, now you just brought up Navy SEALs. I'm getting, I have the pleasure this week. I'm going to be talking to a Navy SEAL this week and, and, and uh, you know, the Navy SEALs, um, when you think of their why, right? Like the, the worst thing for a Navy SEAL is not to lose their life. It's not to lose their life. They don't want to die. They're hard to kill, but, it's to let down the other Navy SEALs. It's to it's to be the weak link and to make a mistake or to be do something stupid, do something reckless, do something foolish, and let down the team, right? And get maybe get somebody else hurt or get somebody else killed. And so, to the Navy SEALs, like that brotherhood is everything. And and I would suggest and I know that deep down you believe this. This this might not even be what you were saying, but because I, I don't know if I'm, you know, you if you got a chance to elaborate, you might you might agree with what I'm about to say. But the point is, is that. Even those of us who might say, listen, ultimately, I don't care about everybody's opinion because, you know, some people don't care about me and some people aren't good people and some people don't have, you know, don't don't want to see us do well. So I don't care about a lot of those kind of opinions. I don't want to be a slave or a hostage to those opinions. I think we all would agree right here that that would be unhealthy. Right. A lot of us, a lot of people are trying to please everybody else. They're trying to impress other people. They're worried about what other people think. And that holds a lot of people hostage. I think we all here agree on that. And the question then is, at what point, what's the group of people, whether it be a team, whether it be a, you're a Navy SEAL, whether it be your family, what's the point at which we do care about how we're remembered, what we leave to our teammates, what we leave to our family, what we leave to the people we love, what, what values we exemplified? Like At some point, Noah, there is something deep in us that says, okay. it does matter to me. It does matter to me. If you're important to me, there has to be a group of people on earth who I respect so much and I say, their opinion matters to me. I would, I remember when I was working at UFC guys, Dana White and them, the most powerful dangling carrot they had with everybody, it wasn't the money. It was, you didn't want to disappoint Dana White or Lorenzo Petita or Frank Petita. That's what you didn't want to do. They had this thing about them. For those of us that did get a chance to work closely with them and did like them and were treated well, it was like, you didn't want to disappoint them. So I'm saying that in our lives, we all have some people where we're like, I love these people so much. I respect this group so much, these people, and I wouldn't want to let them down. I wouldn't want to disappoint me them. How would they remember me? How would implicit- I want them? They matter. How would I want them to remember me?
1: Yeah, I, I make a reference to that as implicit social social contract. Yeah, okay. Right. Uh, because you really don't talk about these things. You know, it's like Fight Club. You don't talk about these things but yeah. it's there. Um, so for example, let me give you a prop. This guy right here. Before you hit me, and bite me. Uh-huh. This guy right here. Um, I, a couple years ago out, sorry, a couple years ago, um, I, um, I adopted him. He was five years old. And you know, you don't know what you're going to get. But um, I, you know, I wanted to have a little furry companion, and um, you know, he needed a place to live. Uh, otherwise, they were going to put him to sleep. And I got him. And um, I, uh, I had a medical moment in my apartment in New York, and I lost consciousness and I fell backwards in the bathroom, and. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, you learn to fall, you know, so you land on your, land on your butt instead of, instead of your head, you know, and you're flatting it back. And within seconds, I felt this little whiskers hitting me, you know, and he brought me back, you know, he woke me up because I had passed out. Uh, lost consciousness, and you know he was right. He was right there. Like, what the hell are you doing on my floor? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, was, I didn't know where I was at. Put my hand out and went straight into the cat litter. Oh, you know, and uh-huh. yeah, I was like, oh, I'm in the bathroom. I must have just fallen. And so, I I was really in a moment. I was really thankful that I had that cat because he helped reorient me. Uh, you know kind of wake me up and that's you know he's kind of like giving back to me like it's a little you know it's a relationship it's a cat but he's looking out for me you know and, and so i said all right for as long as you live i'll always i'll always take t- take care of you you know i'll take you to the vet water food litter and deal with you scratching me um and that's kind of an implicit social contract that i have with a non-human that's his tail get out of here um you know we we develop these implicit we we develop these implicit social contracts in our lives where it's like all right you do this for me i do this for you
0: now you know? no let me, let me let me intervene i just want to define this for people out there who aren't as verbose as you and i and like, an implicit meaning it's not an actual it's not written down it was never signed it was never Put into print, so it's not an actual. It's it's a metaphorical contract. Meaning, it's a contract that exists. It's basically a vow or a covenant. You basically made a vow, indirect. I mean, indirectly, right? You've made a vow to your in your heart toward your cat. So anyway, for people out there, they're like implicit social contract. Okay, continue, carry
1: yeah, on. Yeah, but no, I I, I, it's, I think it's just a great way to to express it, um, because you you have them in your life. You have you have these. Um, ISCs, you know, implicit social contracts. You have these, you have them in your life and you don't realize it. So, for example, I texted you guys, uh, at so around one today and we have a, we, we have this social contract between amongst each, the three of us that we're going to be, uh, we're going to show up and we're going to do this. We're going to have this podcast for whatever reason. So there's a little pressure there on you to show up. And when we're on the mat, there's a lot of those, there's a lot of, of those implicit social contracts that occur. And one of the most uh, important ones is when, when I tap you release, you know, that is one of the most, and that is, that is, you know, that is golden. You know, what there's you know, there's videos out there from Brazil where guys are, you know, more experienced higher-level blue belts or a, a purple belt, brown belts, choking out white belts and holding the choke at, while they tap. That, that is just foreign. to That's like outside of our culture. That's outside of our ethos. Um, now, why am I talking about implicit social contracts and in the conversation where, where you're talking about leaving a legacy? Because this is the social glue between you and all the others in your life. This is the social glue. This is what you actually are doing day in, day out. For example, uh, you know, I'll get a little bit more personal. Why do I want to achieve like this education, the degrees and things like that? Well, that's because I live in a, in kind of a service, a service format for my for my nuclear family and then my friends like i'm here for you i live for you guys yeah i have my own selfish interests, but i form implicit social contracts with each of you because i live in a because i live in a life of service to others you,
0: know, you are you, you're you're generous and and again it would priest the question would be why why is someone generous in the sense that the, the more natural thing is to be selfish. Now we could say that your generosity. Someone could say, "Well, if we exa- if we put Noah's generosity under the microscope, he wants something back." Well, everybody does, right? Every even if it's just mm-hmm. the feeling, right? Everybody has some selfish interest. If I give a homeless guy twenty bucks, the selfish part of that might be that I feel I feel a little better about him going to get something to eat or a blanket, whatever. But I'm I'm assuaging my own conscience. So there there is no truly unselfish act. But at the end of the day you are i mean you know jordan i think i know jordan agrees jordan you're you're a generous guy and it says why the hell does it matter why does it why doesn't noah just go if other people don't matter why doesn't noah just go off and to do his thing and just go in his little bubble and you know and, and, and instead we do we, we are social creatures we know the people that live the longest the people that live the longest the the centenarians and the longest live the blue zones we know there's a huge social piece of that. It's not just as much as a guy like me loves diet and all this, whatever. It's not just diet and nutrition. There is a huge, even with like dementia and Alzheimer's, even though that a lot of that's just plaque on the brain, but there's still the element of people that have been isolated, people that are, that are lonely, right? People that had their heart broken. They're, you know, there's a, we are social creatures and getting back to jujitsu, keeping it jujitsu, that's part of the beauty is that even people that are loners, cause there are people in jujitsu that are introverts. There are people that are introverts that aren't the most social people, but there's a very communal thing where, I mean, look at, mm-hmm. look at Jordan and I, like would Jordan and I, if we hadn't bonded on a mat, would we probably like, if we just met him and several, we probably wouldn't still be talking and like whatever and be boys like we're boys because we've been on that mat. We've gotten after it. He's taught me, I've taught him, you know, I, I've taken an interest in his development and two guys that otherwise probably wouldn't have that much in common now have a lot in common you know and and and, and it's just and it's a social like i I do have a social attachment like as much as Jordan and I when we train we're competing against each other uh, he's a guy that I root for like I want to see him do well there are other people that I've competed with in other industries I'm like I want to win like I don't want them to win now I've work I'm trying to work on that I'm like Wait, Frank. It's good for you to want to win. There are other people. I'm like, no, I don't want him to win. That that person's not the right person. I don't want to see them win big, you know. But like someone like Jordan, I'm like, no, I want to see that guy do well. I'm working on that yeah. part. By the way.
1: Yeah, I, I, I definitely want. I want to see Jordan do well. I want him to win his fights ethically. You know, I don't want you to flip out of your. He's, he's,
0: he's steroid free, man. I, I can tell you this: the dude is steroid free. I would hate
1: for him to slip out. I mean, like, I want you to win, Jordan, but don't bring out the brass knucks, okay? <laughs> don't bring out the brass knuckles and win to win the fight. You know, I want you to win. I want you to win through strangle. You know,
0: he's the second. Oh, I'm not hearing you. I'm not hearing you. All right, he's gonna pop in, pop he, out. He's the he's the he's the second coming of the Diaz brothers, man. he when he fights, he does all that.
1: I think he's a Sean O'Malley. I think he's a new Sean O'Malley based on his fighting style.
0: I, I would, I would, Sugar Jordan, Sean. I would like Jordan to keep his hands up a little more, but you know, it's it's part of it's Jordan. It's just Jordan, Jordan stuff. So. Jordan, Jordan. I think I hear your volume again. You say something?
1: Hello, hello. Yes, can can yes, you? yes. Jordan, I know. Don't fade on Back. me, my friend. Don't fade on me, my friend. We want you to win. ethically, though ethically i want to see choke i want to see your next fight choking him out i want his i want his face to go white with no blood in it
0: <laughs> yeah what when what are Maybe. you competing again jordan when are you what, what you need to compete for, co- for competition yeah
2: man i've contacted tough enough but tough enough isn't having any events right now i'm trying to get a fight as soon as possible um there's not really any jiu-jitsu events this year in vegas anyway so i'm I'm looking at leaving out of town and possibly leaving to like Texas to fight to like do like fight to win or something like that. I want to compete this year again, for sure. I'm trying, I'm just trying to figure out how and where, how, 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 what would be the path
1: for Jordan to go on uh Dana White's contender series? What is the path to that? That, because I, I, have I've been, I watched it and I know there's some more episodes kind of like, you know, cause they, I, I saw like, uh, I saw. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, I saw him in the audience. Well, um, I
0: think. I think. I think someone like Jordan is exactly what they're looking for. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's a unique I, character. He's he's he also fights outspoken. like Sean O'Malley. And I say outspoken, mean I'm, I'm fairly outspoken too. So I mean, he's outspoken. He's he's a genuine character. Uh, you know, he's different. Jordan's just a different dude. And his game, his game is funky. I mean, get, Jordan. You know, you think of like a Ben Askren for wrestling, but. That's kind of like Jordan. Jordan's got a very funky grappling game. It's just a very unconventional. So I mean, I think you know a lot of the element. You watch the you watch the Ultimate Fighter and the whatever the Contender series uh, know mm-hmm. more than anybody right now. And you know, there's a lot of the. It's not just Dana White or Sean. You know, Sean Shelby or the Matchmakers. Oh. It's the producers. The producers have to sign off on you now, right? So the producers, the the TV producers also have a say in who gets on, right? Oh of um, course. Not, I'm not saying but
1: everybody I, I think he's I think he's the next sugar Sean O'Malley and and when when will it be good when will it be good? When he keeps his hands up, you know, we
0: gotta get I because you know the thing you know one of the things I've said this about Jordan before too one of the things about Jordan all right, Jordan. Is Jordan is big for the weight class. Like some guys carry their weight different Jordan carries his weight. Jordan is a guy that's bigger boned. He could be if, if he fought at thirty-five or forty-five. The, as he develops and matures even more, and his man muscles come out even more, he's a guy that could be big for the weight class. You know, his hands it's are big. He, yeah. How like, tall
1: are you? How, what's your reach? What's your reach? What's your measured reach?
0: No idea.
2: Zero. Really? Idea.
1: Oh my goodness. We need to get your stats done. Haha. <laughs> How do they how do they do you know how how they measure reach do they is it from like some kind of like shoulder against the wall to fingertips or
0: fingertip to fingertip i don't know man well it's
2: how uh, do
1: they uh, measure reach
0: Right, regular reach is just the one arm you know from like from i guess there to there and then the wingspan is different you know like john jones's wingspan is like the 84.5 or whatever and that's like you know that's like your you know, like, like dinosaur reach or something, you know, and then you've got a normal reach. Some guys 73, 74, 75, whatever. Um, oh, yeah. That's one, I don't know that's one I of the know. things. Yeah.
1: But um, I want to, I want you to, I want you to win your fights. You know, like I, whatever you are pursuing, I, you know, I, in my that's mindset, that's mindset that's right. in my mindset, I'm for, I'm on team Jordan. What does Jordan want? You know, I'm on team Frank. What does Frank want? What what is it you want that's gonna make that you know that you go for it? Oh. And how can I help you with that? That's the social yeah, no, contract you, that yeah. we have.
0: Yeah, you you've you know. always been that way, Noah. Jordan, Jordan, when are they getting you EBI? You haven't been on EBI yet. You'd be perfect too for, for EBI. Um, What's up? Have, have you have you ever inquired or you've looked into that or you need some exposure. I was
2: gonna say I'm not cool enough for any of these things yet man i gotta I gotta compete more i gotta I gotta win some bigger tournaments in order to get into these events
1: so it's coming
2: yeah. we have to
1: we, we get, Frank we really need to get together and, and start mapping out dates and 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 the pathway so he can be on Dana white maybe your 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 remaining favor is to call Dana and say I got somebody for you He's in Henderson. You don't have to, you don't have to travel. He's in Henderson. You know.
0: <laughs> He's in Hendertucky. He's in Hen- hey, were they calling it were they calling it Hendertucky? Like I I started calling it Hendertucky whatever when I saw it, you know, nine, ten years ago. But had they had they been calling that Hendertucky for a long time or is that only fairly fairly recently, uh Jordan?
2: This has been Hender Tucky all my life, my friend. Oh
0: man, all right. Yeah, well, that's good. Somebody really smart thought of that Hendertuck, because it's, Hen- it's Henderson, but it's a, it's the most remote corner of Henderson. It's a great name, Hendertucky. Uh, yeah,
2: Hendertucky is its own thing, man. Hendertucky is like,
0: hey, when, like when they ask you where Mitchell you're Henderson. from, when they ask you where you're from, you shouldn't say Henderson, Nevada. You should say Hendertucky, Hendertucky, Nevada. Everyone's gonna be like, Hendertucky, where the heck? You should put <laughs> on the map, literally. That's part of your legacy. Part of your legacy is going to be to put Hendertucky on the map. I think
2: so. I, I believe you, Frank. I definitely believe you, dude. Kentucky's <laughs> my neighborhood, man. I'm from Henry Tucky. Boulder Highway and Lake Mead. Represent. What's up? No, that, that would capture people's
0: imagination. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah, I that think that you so... have to, you something <laughs> there. And who's the, the, who's that UFC is, fighter? Actually, who's it that doesn't UFC fighter? Uh, you could make it exist.
1: Who's that you UFC know, it, fighter? Um, Look, the wrestler. Uh, you're both. You guys. I mean, we know him. All, all three of us know him. Um, Evan Dunham. Uh, doesn't Evan Dunham live in, in Hender as well?
0: No. Yeah, but no, no he really doesn't because it's a part of Henderson. It's not just living in – living in Henderson is not Hender Where Jordan lives is Hender Yes,
2: Hender right. is a small part of Henderson. Like, Boulder Highway and Lake Mead, that area is Hender Like, that area of Henderson is Hender Um Where Dunham is off of eastern is not Hender That's like – But he well, doesn't H- live – that's does like he a, live that's there? Like, that's, like, right next to Vegas. That's, like, on the edge. It's, like, on the border of Henderson and Vegas.
1: Yeah, but does he live there in that area? Or does he live- I don't know
2: where uh, he lives. I've never been to his house. I don't know where he lives.
1: Frank?
0: Right? Yeah, nobody does. Oh, that's, that's okay. my, maybe. That's my, my old training partner, Evan Donovan.
1: You will my- I, I bring up his name because I saw him on the uh, Contender Series, and I'm like, all right. If Evan's there in the audience of the Contender Series, and I got to think, like, you well, know, your local people are there. I, I've, I think I saw Frank Mirror in the audience. Why don't we have our, the, the Sugar Sean O'Malley 2.0 there, at least in the audience? You've been to the Performance Institute. Why can't you get on the show? It, it's just a fight, you know? I, it's just a I fight. Think
0: Jordan, Jordan's right. I think Jordan is one of those guys. I, I think he's right. Like, he... he- he does need more exposure. He needs to do more tournaments because those of us that have trained with him know that he's dangerous. He's been dangerous for like, like you said, you're like the longest white belt, maybe in the history of jujitsu. Like, you know, Jordan spent the longest time at, at white belt. And, and I was a white belt for like five years. Yeah. And, and as a blue belt, he was given a lot of guys, a lot of advanced belts fits, you know, and and and, and even as a white belt sometimes. I mean, it's, you know, be, but a lot of people know, like those of us that have trained with him, know that he's a dangerous guy and that he's got he's got an exciting brand of jiu-jitsu, whether it's win or lose. That's another thing about a guy like him is if you book a guy like Jordan, whether he wins or loses, it doesn't matter. He's going to deliver a show. He's got a charisma. He's got a different mm-hmm. game. He's got a funky game. He's got a funky style. He goes for it, right? He, he's not going to mess around. He's not afraid to risk. So the, the the thing is, it's just it has to go beyond us like we know. Reno, know, but the world doesn't know right now. You know what's the
1: entry point? Do we need to look at the credits? Do we got to look at the credits on 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 the contender series and see who the see who the producers are, and then well, start a campaign? My coach,
2: my, my coach, Coach Casey can can. It's not like he has a magic button and he could just get me in, but he's gotten a lot of guys in the UFC. He knows he. He has his ways. So once I'm once I'm winning my fights and I'm I'm doing what I need to be doing, I'll, I'll I'll get on the contender series or I'll get on I'll get into the UFC. It's not even really, I'm not even really too worried about it. Like I I know my destiny is to be in the UFC. I know
0: for a hundred percent fact I I will be in the UFC. So it's just a matter. Yeah, of, I, I um, do I do think right. You're right, Jordan. You're you're not. I mean, and take this the right way. You're you're not ready in the sense that you still have to mature. Like there's still some evolutions to happen to get there right and then when you're when when you're ready casey has the, the the connections and then you know he'll he'll do what he can do you know but you do yeah. still have like you you've still got some areas now like you know i'd like to see you keep your hands up more personally um I'm telling you, frank i have really good hands that
2: entire my entire fights i was fighting in autopilot even my jujitsu i went to the floor for a little bit and my jujitsu was not a near as good as it should have been like those i there's always excuses you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make excuses it is what it is my next fight it's you're gonna see a different fighter. all that's all i could say but when i was my for my for my last fights that i was fighting i was at a i was at a point in my life where i was like just mentally down i just wasn't i wasn't i was i didn't want to train i was get, i just i just didn't want to i just didn't i just didn't I had all sorts of stuff going on in my personal life, man. I was just sad. I was depressed. I just didn't have motivation to train. I had no, I didn't, didn't have the right will to win. You know, I wasn't the right, I wasn't mentally, I wasn't mentally in the fight at all. So I was just fighting off of my, off only on on all, on like my deep, deep, like I wasn't like present or focused at all during the fight on any of my fights. Even the fight that I won, even the fight that I won, I looked like not near as good as I should have looked. Like I should have, um I, like I shouldn't have touched me, touched me a couple times, like on, I, yeah. like, and you know that is, is It is what it is. But all yeah. I can say, for my next, my next fight, I, I, you're gonna see a different fighter. Like my, my, my hands are are much, much, much better than. Is your why much sparring, sharper? I'm sparring with professional fighters. I'm on the, like, I'm sparring on the pro team yeah. at Extreme Couture. You know, I'm sparring with all these guys, and they're trying to, they're trying to kill me when. Same thing when I'm sparring. I'm not changing the game up when I'm sparring. I'm not like trying to take these guys down. I'm not like going to my wrestling and just doing my jiu-jitsu and sparring. I'm standing with these guys that are professional fighters in the UFC and the PFL and in, in the in Legacy and all these different organizations and I'm holding my own. I'm doing I'm mm-hmm. doing good. It's just a matter of of controlling my emotions and, and feeling good on fight way?
0: Did you watch? Did you guys watch um, the UFC events last night? I did not watch. I saw some of the replays and I saw, I read some of the reports and I actually did predict. Um, I think I went three and one predicting last night. I lost the Gustafsson fight. I, I thought I thought Gustafsson would keep it standing. I knew that if he went to the ground with Verdun with those long arms, I knew he'd be in trouble. But um, did you guys get a chance to, to watch last night or? I
2: seen the Verduum, I seen the Verduum Gustafson fight. Um, I seen the finish, and then I seen the Robert Whitaker Darren Till fight. That was a great fight.
1: Um, you know, I it was I, on Saturdays. I've been pretty uh dedicated to watching the UFC, uh, and but last night, um, I don't know why it just wasn't. I wasn't compelled. I wasn't compelled to stick with all the fights. Like it, I didn't have that interest. Something was off about the production to me. I don't know what it was, but I you, just. Yeah, I
0: wanted. I wanted to see that Russian kid. That Russian kid, though, uh, Kazmat, Kazmat uh, uh Chimev.
1: That was I an got, exciting. Oh, I
0: I've never seen. I did not see the fight, but I saw a highlight and I saw the stats. I've never oh my seen, goodness such a lopsided like, stat of like what's it like 170 172 punches landed to two he, um, he had that dagestani handcuff going that on that had to be like 10 7 rounds that had to be like 10 however long the fight lasted if it was two rounds were like 10 7 rounds those can't even be 10 8 that's like almost like 10 7 rounds which is pretty crazy. yeah
1: it was amazing um yeah, that one, that I, I that one I enjoyed, but um, I don't know. I just wasn't really into in, I wasn't into the main event, um, you know, wife and daughter came in and they wanted to, we've been watching Survivor series together uh, because there's a lot of good life lessons in there. You know, we talk about here around the house. Uh, so we've been watching Survivor and we, we just flipped over to watch that instead of, of carrying on with the main event, um, but that's just because we just weren't that interested. I, I just wasn't compelled with it. I don't know why. Yeah, I,
0: tell, I tell you what. What I'm thinking. I mean, so so Dana White said something remarkable in the last week to a reporter in in you know Abu Dhabi, and he said the new fight capital of the world is going to be Abu Dhabi. Now it will it will not be Las Vegas. He's like I don't you know. I, he's like you know i guess if things settled in vegas it could be vegas but right now it's abu dhabi and it could stay abu dhabi you know and and that was really uh-huh. remarkable to say you know to see this shift now with all of the uncertainty and and the venues and particularly the strictness in nevada um with venues and hosting fights and it's like it's just interesting to see this power shift because what that's going to mean so that the thing i'm seeing right now is i'm seeing there's a couple of things that jump to mind with with everything that's going on there right now. Remember, Dana White used to say he's been saying this for probably at least ten years. He said, "Listen, MMA will be the biggest sport in the world," and people laughed at him. They were like, "You know, yeah. soccer of course is is the biggest, and then you've got cricket, and then you know, cricket's actually I think the second biggest just because of the volume of people in Pakistan and in India. You've got a billion, you know, and a half people or so, and mm-hmm. and then you you know." And NFL is huge in America, but it's not its not a, a global game, right? And the baseball is played in different places. But I tell you, with everything going on in the world now, remember, who was the first, right? Who was the first to go when the waters weren't safe to have an event, right? I mean, Major League Baseball was like, no, we can't. NBA, yeah. no, we can't. NFL, no, we can't. Dana White, it's like, oh, yes, we can, right? Dana White's out there almost making it safe to go in the water like, now, what, where am I going with this? Where I'm going with this is that this, this guy who talks so crazy, it's like he's just talking crap about this being the biggest sport. I'm not going to say it's going to pass soccer and it's going to pass cricket and, the, and basketball is huge globally. I'm going to say this. I think it nips at the heels of basketball sooner than anybody thinks. And the reason is especially like I, I think that, the stars are aligning even with all this. I think the one of the sports, as we're seeing, one of the sports that can survive is fighting. Like fighting can still find a way because of the way the business model is. It doesn't. You, do you see this even with the ultimate fighter? Dana White's already used to doing shows where there's only 50 people in the crowd. Right? He's already used mm-hmm. to doing those shows. Major League Baseball with nobody in the crowd is a dead it's a dead game it's just it has nothing right an nfl game with nobody in the stadium is like i mean it's just not it's not gonna fly right even the nba the nba lives the dunks the high-flying acrobats the crowd reaction the crowd reaction is huge to their brand the ufc it's like if this keeps going on the UFC's traction in terms of relevance on the sports landscape, it it, it, it it will actually get bigger, bigger, bigger. It's a shift now. I'm not saying they're there now because the cards they're doing now, you guys are already seeing this. The cards they're doing right now, guys, are not as rich and compelling in a lot of ways as before COVID, right? Because a lot of the big names now, Connor and others are like, listen. You know, and then what happened with Khabib and his dad, which is a really unfortunate tragedy. But there's a lot of things. John Jones now, you know not wanting, you know, to, to fight for different reasons. So there's a lot of marquee people. So I'm not saying that there's the best matchups we've ever seen right now. He's he's had to modify the matchup. Well, what we're seeing is we're seeing a shift, too, where you're saying, look, if this goes more to fight Island in different parts of the world, you're going to see more of the Russians. Guys, let me say this to you, all right? this is the, This is the shift I'm talking about. There have always been, for a long time now, phenomenal Russian fighters. There have always been more phenomenal Brazilian fighters than we knew of. They just didn't want to stack the card. They wanted to stack the cards with people from different countries. But there's plenty of Russian people, the the guys that can fight. There's There's a long line of Russians that can get it on. There's a long line of Brazilians. The shift that's happening now, guys, if this stays, is you're going to see more Russian superstars. You're going to see more... Maybe even the Muslim guys coming in, Muslim awesome fighters. You might even see more Brazilians than we've already seen. The shift is 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 that this will get bigger globally, actually, I think. But you'll see where the UFC might, the UFC was really a North American brand, North American judges, North American everything. You know, 300 people on the roster are American. I'm making that number up, but a, a boatload of the fighters are American, right? I'm making that, you know, a boatload. You're going to see a shift if this continues, and it just might with COVID, where you're going to see way more Russians on the roster. You might see more Brazilians. You've always been seeing that, but I think you're going to see an acceleration of that. Jordan, you were going to say something. You uh, get lost. That's yeah. what he's going to so, say. I'm out. So these are these are some of the things. Yeah, these are some of the things that I'm noticing right now, Noah, with it. Where I'm just looking at somebody who worked for the UFC, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, wow, you know. You better get good at pronouncing some of these Russian names and we're going to have some great Muslim fighters coming up. And And they've always been looking for them. But I think if you're if you're a Russian fighter now, I think your odds of getting in the UFC go up even more. If you're a, if you're, you know, before you had to wait for them to come to your country or maybe you got you were phenomenal and you came here. But the more we do events offshore, the more exposure these other countries and their fighters are going to get. You know, the more we're doing him somewhere else.
1: Well, Dana said, Frank, Dana said that, Dana said that, you know, he said, I can't, you know, I can't keep up the pace of this fight schedule. I'm going to burn through my roster. That's what he said uh, about six weeks ago. And obviously they've pivoted to bringing in lesser known names, especially because of the marquee names are this one out now when you say that abu dhabi is going to be the fight capital of the world i would say temporarily you know because once you know the you cannot bring a gate uh which is you know uh ticket paying fans into an, fill an arena you cannot exist without that i mean what would you rather have? Uh, a production crew and and the coaches and, and, you know, staff or have, you know, five to six million dollars um, from the, um, uh, was it the Sprint? No, um, Verizon Arena here in Las Vegas. Um, you know, you'd rather have that, that income and um, it covers a lot of bills. So I think temporarily, yeah, in this situation where we have, uh, for at least 2020, Abu Dhabi is going to be busy. Now, the Performance Institute with the um, with that small space they have, obviously they're going to use that for some other fights where they don't have to deal with you know, where where it's a non visa type of issue. You know, you don't have to bring fighters all the way from around the world. You know, you just you know charter flights to into Abu Dhabi, but the North American fights. That's what you're going to see here on August 15th. The fight's going to be back here in Las Vegas. Um, And, um, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it makes sense what you're saying. For now, yeah, these huge, huge fights going on in the wee hours of the night in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, that's going to happen for a bit uh, while they prevent burning through their roster. You know, they're they're not going to. Burn through their roster and burn out all their talent. But well, there was one fighter last night who fought just weeks ago. He's back in there, back in the octagon again.
0: Kazmat fought what ten days ago, and then he—that's what I'm talking twice. about. These guys, yeah, yeah, um, and, yeah. I, I, you're gonna Cam, yeah. UFC. I think it's Camzet. I think it's Camzet.
1: Okay. It's Cam yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it definitely opens up. Uh, more opportunities, and I love it. I am very happy that they they now have a uh, an international stage uh, for for them to go and and put on. You know, you know that's their home. They they've run through three reps now of um, fight weekends there uh, in Abu Dhabi. Uh,
0: you know I was rev- interesting it's interesting though because that the royal families there in in Dubai and and, and Abu Dhabi um, you know the royal family that that's linked uh, you know Sheikh tanoon and everything it's linked to even Henzo Gracie I believe that that's who get, mm-hmm. Henzo Gracie gave Sheikh Tanoon his blackbone he's part of the royal family there in in Abu Dhabi and yeah and <laughs> They've been, they have been that royal family. They got it way before any other. I mean, that's that's. It's not a coincidence that they're doing the, the, these events now that they've become a safe haven because, they even in the '90s they were they were flying in jujitsu instructors. They fell in love. Like I think jujitsu there is free for pretty much any student that wants it. They've got girls training in jujitsu too now, um, and they they just sort of got fighting. Sooner than and of course they've got deep pockets too right they they're diversifying their economy now they're not just all oil over there now they're they're very mindful of diversification Sheikh To and the and the royal family were also part owners of the UFC with the Fertitta. so that when that Fertitta sale was that went through to my understanding to my understanding that you know that that the To the, the, the family because remember they had given I think it was 160 million at one point they had bought a share of of, uh, of, of the UFC, I think it was nine or 10%. So they may have retained, I know that Pratita Brothers might've given up almost all or almost all of their shares in the deal. Um, but I don't know if the tenoon, the tenoon family may still be part owners um, of the UFC, I don't know that. With but IMG. They're a natural fit, you know. It's the royal family, so you pretty much run the government. You can make, you can, you can make, you know, you can make the rules. They jiu jujitsu. They love fighting. They've been part owners of the UFC. It's a perfect place. But, but Noah, you know, I love you, but I, I don't know. I think we might be assuming. Look, there's no place like Vegas to hold a fight because they've been doing it so long. The commission there is, you know, is 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 respected, even though they have a. a strikingly high number of bad decisions but uh but there's something about the cachet of the audience and the celebrities and the atmosphere like vegas just has that that buzz right it just has a Mm -hmm. buzz about it that's hard to get anywhere else right it's just it's known for this it presents the fights on tv it looks big when it's in vegas but bro i don't i when i hear dana white say this is the this could be or you know maybe is the, the fight cap of the world now I don't just hear that being a six month thing or a one year thing. I, I just I think we might be in the middle of uh, of a shift where North Amer- it's North it's not as North American heavy from okay.
1: here on out. No, 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 I understand. It. Like, hey, I I need to interrupt you real quick. It's five till the hour. Okay. So if you wanna wrap up here soon, um, you know, we Yeah, I don't Let's I don't think really we should quick. go into another
0: Begin with the end in mind final, final thoughts, Noah, um, by the way, how, really quick in one minute or less, how, how is the, you know, the training room? we got to get on the phone. We, we got to get on the phone again, uh, here soon. How's the, how's the, uh, <laughs>
1: yeah. So, um, well, you know, I, there's been some bumps in the road, of course. Um, the puppy got a little gastrointestinal, uh, disturbance. You know, we were changing his food. And so he was like waking me up and I was only giving myself a few hours sleep. I've got to, I've got to revisit my schedule and, and fix that. But, um, all in all, um, I'm, I'm holding myself more accountable, uh, than when I was not having a schedule. I, I drove over to, um, Jordan's house, uh, this week to train with him. And I learned something fundamental with Jordan. You got to call the boy because Jordan lives day by day. He lives in the moment. Uh, you know, where I have my schedule, I know my schedule out for a week. Jordan texted me yesterday saying, Are we doing a podcast today? And I'm like, It's Saturday. See you tomorrow. You know? <laughs> so. Before I hop in the car and go train with Jordan, I got to make sure he's going to be there. Um because actually, he, yeah,
2: you know, me didn't even text me in the group chat. I just stealth yeah, I just took life. off after you. I
1: just took off after you, but I learned my lesson now. So, yeah. It's it's going it's it's much better to have the schedule. Um but hey. I'm sleeping a little bit late. I'm sleeping a little Jordan, bit late. I
0: have a I have a title I have a uh, a tentative title for your first book. We're going to call it the Tao of Hendertucky, The T A O of Hendertucky. The way of <laughs> Hender. That the Tao the tao in uh, in in Chinese I think or Mandarin means the way of Hender Tucky, The Tao of yeah. Hender Tucky. Yeah, that sounds good. You're, you're welcome. I gave you your nickname, know your worth, <laughs> and now I just gave you the title of your first book. Jordan, <laughs> I know. know your worth. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I I know my fight nickname, guys. I um I'm I know my fight nickname now. Actually, I know what I'm gonna do. What you gonna announce it? Yeah, I'm gonna. Hit me. It's it's gonna it's gonna be hilarious. All right, um, I I
1: got my opinions too, but
2: so I'm half Spanish, right? And a lot of people don't know I'm half Spanish because I don't look half Spanish because I'm really white. And uh, well, Spanish people are white, but Spaniard, yeah. you're a Spaniard. I uh, have yes. Spaniard. Yes, from, mm-hmm. from Spain. Spanish. Yeah. Spaniard. Mm-hmm. Um, my middle name, I have um, it's technically one middle name, but it's supposed to be two middle names. It has a hyphen in between it. My, my middle name is Elias Martinez. Right? And all my life people have always been like, oh, like that's a that's a cool like ultra alias, like that sounds like like a Spanish pirate or something. That sounds like a Spanish guy, Elias Martinez. And so that's that's going to be my fight nickname, Jordan Elias Martinez Worth, literally my name. It's going to be my full name, <laughs> and people are going to be confused. My nickname is going to be Elias Martinez. That's my that's my middle name, and I've never seen it. I've always wondered that. Like I wonder if, fighter, if fighters ever just use
0: their middle name as their fight nickname.
2: That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use my middle name as my fight nickname. Got it. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Pablo yeah. Picasso, just a side note to the people watching. I think Pablo Picasso had like 19 names, you know, the Latin cultures. Wow. they give all these, you know, the name of your grandmother on your maternal side and this, that, the other. And, you know, and so anyway, I'm like Jordan, I have four names in mind, but, but some of those Spanish people get really, so Pablo Picasso, it wasn't like Pica- his, his last name wasn't Picasso. Picasso was one of the names and he realized, well, rhythmically, Picasso fits with this better. It fits with the whole artist's mystique. So he kind of let's move Picasso. Let's just move that one up, like just choose two of them. And anyway, mm-hmm. I got to go. I got to get on the phone with the great Robert Drysdale. Um, we can talk about this next time. You know, so Felipe Andro just left Just left Drysdale. You know, he went to Alliance And, and you know, we can talk about that with, you know, when, when people change teams and, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I've done that myself. So that's that's a conversation for another day. Um, got it. But anyway, guys, Jordan, thank you so much. Mr. Jordan Elias martinez Worth and uh noah green thank you all so much uh everyman bjj every sunday 1 30 pacific time we're here this is episode 30 31 30, 30, 30 31 one. episode yep. 31 any comments feedback we'd love it everymanbjj at gmail.com guys thanks so much i'll talk to you soon jordan i'll talk to you this week
1: Take awesome. care, guys.
0: bye guys bye later That's it for today's episode of Everyman BJJ. Thanks for listening. Look for new episodes of Everyman BJJ every week, wherever you get your podcast or at everymanbjj.com.